Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Pinkerton's Ghosts is a horror anthology podcast by Superversive Radio, with no affiliation with any detective agency, person real or imagined, or the dark forces of Terre. It is not intended for children. <clears throat> so, I just talk into this. That's right. Usually we just edit these things down to the brass tacks, but for police officers, we leave in the whole thing, so try to keep it focused. This records some of the more weirder events that can happen to you boys in blue. Just imagine like you're talking to a reporter or your commissioner about the whole thing. <laughs> I'd be sent to counseling or put on suspension or worse. Best get off your chest now. The paranormal Pinkertons will take care of the rest. No judgment, just facts. As best as you can recall them. Name and pertinent information, please. <laughs> Officer Stephen Ha, Los Angeles Police Department. It's kind of a weird post, but we... My partner and I patrol around the foothills up north. It's kind of a big beat, thinking about it. This happened February 5th, well, 6th, midnight to 1 a.m. So, I'm the new guy. Just got on some real patrols with a partner, Hutchins. She's tough, old, and seen everything. I'm sure that's why she's as hard as she is. Experience. She really lets me pull my weight. No training wheels, you know. Felt great, like I was making it for real. Family's never been much, but me, I was making it. Dad, Mom, and my bro, even my sister was so proud of me at my graduation. I still felt that glow going into my first night shift. It started normal. An addict shooting up in the gas station, some homeless guy aggressively begging, nothing crazy. I want to make that clear. It was a normal night. You think there'd be some thunderstorm going off or a chill breeze freezing me to my core? No, it was just right. I know there's a lot of crap going on, but people were out. It was a good weather for a good time. Well, no one was giving me trouble. We don't use the word quiet. It jinxes us. I learned that quick. Then, around midnight, well, just before it, Hutchins gets a call from Captain Jimenez about a noise complaint. Now that's weird, because it's not over the radio. But, whatever. Uh... If the captain asks us to check something out, I'm not going to argue. Hutchins puts in a code with dispatch, and they took us off the normal beat. I want to say it took us an hour to drive out to the house. I bet you're thinking, hey, dilapidated house, all rotted and rusty, possibly filled with hateful eyes staring all around us, classic 3 a.m. cable-only movie schlock. <laughs> yeah, it was exactly that. This thing squatted, sprawling over most of a hill. It was a mansion and old enough that it should have collapsed years ago. But something like hate kept it up, intact, proud. It wasn't going to fall apart just to spite me. Yeah, me in particular. There had been a fence, but that had rotted too. So only the wires stood up, poles too brave to die like the rest. Not quite razor wire, but my dad told me stories about that stuff when he was... Well, that's not my story. There was a concrete path, broken, shattered. It would have been almost easier to walk on the grass had I trusted it. Had there been any, you could see it. 
Whole place was sick with malice, like a drug had gone too long without a fix. All edge, no humanity. Hutchins and I got out. She got next to me and cracked open an energy drink, a bang, and gulped it down. And she waited, let that silence build, swirling the can around. She was always doing that. She wanted me to say something, but since she wouldn't talk about it on the way, I felt like I didn't need to ask. She's great, but sometimes, well, quirks of the job. It helped that I concentrated on the house. Something was watching me. The sergeants and senior officers all got that sixth sense. I didn't think I'd get mine for years. Fine, she said. She cracked open the trunk and came back with a crucifix. Well, no, it was a plain cross. Now this was a nice piece. I couldn't really tell you why, except it didn't look cheap. It felt real, like it glowed a bit, and it was heavy enough to be real gold. Listen, kiddo, I ain't your mama to clean up your messes, but this... This is a big deal. This is something that all my new guys have to do. We think you've got what it takes, you see, for the big leagues. If you succeed, the captain's going to be real nice about his performance reviews. If not, well, it ain't so bad. Most people fail. <sighs> I was looking at the necklace. I gave her a nod, but there was more confidence in how I caressed my sidearm than not. Edge barely describes what I felt. I wanted to ask to leave. I didn't. So that place. Family used to live there. Then one day, they weren't. Use your imagination. Murder, suicide, all in one night. They were always strange, insular, but no one expected... <laughs> Look at your face. I bet you're expecting some C-list actor who needs work or Bruce Campbell or something to walk out of the sewers to tell you it's all a show. It isn't. Hollywood magic, the same. Kiddo. I need you to walk up that path and enter the house. When you're there, go up the big stairs, you won't miss them, and walk to the end of the hall. Place the cross on the altar you see there. It's going to be in front of a family portrait. It's obvious the second you see it. I just leave it there. That's right. Listen, don't worry about what happens. Don't touch anything except the shrine. It's very important. If someone reaches out their hand, don't take it. Don't dance with anyone. Don't even enter the rooms on the second floor. It's not real, until you believe it is. The second you let it into you, you're done. Maybe I can pull you out, maybe not. I'll try or call in real big guns. I'll give you that. How, how did this... I was spooked. Real scared. Something creaked in the house, and the two of us stared at it until the damned... <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll continue... A shutter fell off. I sat on the car hood. Thank God I didn't have a full bladder. How did this happen? I told you. No, I mean, a priest or... She shook her head. I couldn't tell you. They set this up. Uh, way back when. All I know is that if it's left alone too long, it spreads. We said nothing for, I don't know, five minutes? Enough for her to get her cigarette and smoke it halfway down. She smoked luxury 120s. Expensive. And they burn slow. You want me to do it? No. No? I'll do it. I wanted a good word with the captain. I wanted to be a trusted guy. Trusted guys get promoted. They had it made. All right. 
She watched the house. The pressure built up. She didn't let her impatience show. Just leaned there, butt against the squad car, smoking. Occasionally, she'd gulp from her bang. I'd give a whole paycheck just to know her heart rate right then. I didn't give her the pleasure of a second cigarette. Cross in hand, I entered the grounds. The first thing I felt was a break, a sort of bubble. It popped around me. You ever just stick your face into a sink full of water? Well, it's like that, the first millisecond, when you're dunked and can feel the air and the water and your skin hasn't normalized to either. That exact feeling. Yes, um, this air was still cold and wet. I'd been up the Rocky Mountains, but that high-altitude air was dry. Sometimes you'd get wet when the air slid up the mountain from some lake or something like that, wet from the source. But this, this was just sitting there. I'd been in rotten buildings before, chasing out a squatter high off of something meant to peel paint. I was getting to know all the smells. This wasn't like that. It was something new. It was rotten and cold concrete city air and sweetness rolled into one. I'll never forget it. I stepped from concrete step from concrete step. <laughs> you, uh, you know that nursery rhyme, step on a crack and you break your mother's back? I was scared that was real. Mom's got a bag back as it is. Yeah, I, I was imagining fingers coming up, stepping on a little hot dog-like bones, rolling and scratching, catching me and throwing me down, dragging me into the cracks that were never made, just appeared one day. I made it to the porch. Dead plants sat in the cold air, still as tombstones. I didn't disturb them. The boards weren't as rotted as they look, but they still bent under my weight. The white door peeled, and when I knocked, police procedure, but I wasn't thinking, the dust came off like a sudden snowfall. I stepped back until my heel hit the gap above the first step. No answer. I tried the knob. It turned smoothly, like new door just oiled smooth. The door opened. I was not surprised to see it utterly black. I took out my flashlight and played it over the foyer. This place must have been rich back in the day. There were candlesticks on tables which looked warm, dark as pitch, and just giving that aura of being worth something. A massive chandelier hung from the ceiling, and the crystals glinted in my flashlight's light. Paintings that looked older than when my ancestors came to America still clung to the walls, and their frames were gilded. There were doors open to other parts of the house, and I could see cutlery out for dinner. In another, coats of fur and fine leather were ready for their masters. I could see vases and statues, handmade, original. This place... Had to have been real grand back in the day. Over everything, carpet to chandelier, was the pall of a mortician's waiting room. Not like a church or a temple. A funeral parlor. It was depressing. The air heavy, and it had the... I don't want... <laughs> well, the spirit over everything. <laughs> don't laugh. No one had laughed in that place for years. I've heard a few chuckles at a funeral before, a family clown trying to tell a few funny stories about the deceased, about how the two of them drove out to Las Vegas with nothing but a pair of thongs and fuzzy memories about someone named Strawberry. Sometimes it works, you know. Never here. I entered into the room. 
The stairs were on my right, wrapping around the room to a second floor. Having a clear goal didn't help. I rode high on adrenaline. It had been building the entire walk up. Tense is a good way to put it. I didn't mean to close the door, but I tapped it, and it swung shut, silent as a tomb, until it slammed home. Yeah, except for the slam, which was too loud. Everything was too quiet. <laughs> I regret thinking that. When the door shut, I think that's when Hutchins turned on her lights, let me know she was still out there. The lights turned, everything red and blue in turn. The chandeliers flashed and reflected light so many times it was weird, things like green or orange by the time it was done with it. It mesmerized me for a solid minute, the shapes and patterns going in and out. I shook my head, breaking the spell. The cross was still in my hand. So I gripped it on one of the points inward so it hurt a little. That kept my mind clear. When I looked up, two shadow bodies, male and female, swung on two nooses, hand in hand or tied together. They were pasted flat on the stairs when I climbed. I started, backing down, my head turning to look at the chandelier to see nothing, no one. Nothing was there when I looked to the shadows again. The stairs were clear. And I remember Hutchins' advice. Don't let them touch you. They aren't real unless you let them in you. I passed around the spot where the shadows had been, just in case. I kept my back to the walls, avoiding the portraits where I could. I felt them look at me, unfriendly as a fresh gangbanger in his cell. I made it to the second floor. A thump and a screech made me jump. I pulled out my gun and, adhering to training, waved it in tandem with my flashlight, covering all exits, looking at all the doors into the house. Around me on the floor below, I could see wisps of something, like the ghost of a good time wailing and roaming, a little 1920s jazz and a curl of smoke from a cigar between someone's fingers. I ignored those. Well, when I realized that things were about to get too real. I faced the thump screech. Something above and to my left. I guessed. It, it came from the third floor. But... Not the third floor. I grit my teeth and walked onto the hallway Hutchins told me about. I ignored the warm light at my back, the talk, the music, the laughter. I didn't touch anything, and I ran when two white-gloved hands reached out from either side of me. I didn't see what women owned them, but I didn't want to. I turned a corner into another hallway, like the first. The thump screech was on this floor. Always at my left. Always a little closer. Another left. I was still half running. I looked like a mess. No trigger discipline barely kept my flashlight up. The cross in my hand and dripping blood. Another left. Yeah, another. Another after that one. Then I stopped. My brain caught up with my beating heart. I was going in circles. The warm light... The clink of champagne glasses always behind me, just twenty feet away, welcoming, glad to see a distinguished member of the police. No royal society, but not to be sneered at. They'd have connections, new people, the kind of people that, like a good officer, as a friend. The thump screech brought me out of it. It was right outside the left-hand door. I brought up my service piece and aimed it at the door. It was thick, but old. 
I had a bad feeling, but swallowed it down. It got closer. I could hear its weight, the metal on wood scratching, the heavy boots, the breathing. A, a ghost breathe. Or pretended to? Or it wasn't a ghost. Or it just knew it was scarier if I could hear its rotted lungs do their work. Thump screech. I couldn't take it anymore. LAPD, stay away from the door. Thump screech. Don't come closer. Thump screech. Go away. I will shoot. Thump screech. I racked my brain. The power of Christ compels you. Thump screech just stopped. Just outside the door. Christ! It laughed. Deep and hollow. Echoing up and down like a... Like a pig snorting. I don't know what... I don't know what you believe, but... I'm not religious. Wasn't. Not, well, I wasn't atheist, but didn't exactly go to church. The laugh ended. I thought it was over. It brought the axe through the door, almost to its haft. I screamed, then opened fire. The whole magazine and a couple of dry fires. The door stood, but not well. The axe stayed in the door, but something thumped one last time. The hallway stopped its strangeness, the length and turns. The warm light went away, and the sounds of a party for elites I would never join ceased, like someone flipped a light switch. I took the reprieve, holstered my weapon, and ran down the hall, turning left into the next, nearly tripping over the rug. Ahead was my goal, a massive portrait, and below it, a shrine. The portrait was hideous. The people, a father, mother, three kids, and a dog that just screamed and walked on two legs on full moons were ugly as sin. They had the look of inbreeding, just doughiness, weakness. Too thin where they should be fat. Too fat where they should be thin. There were weak jaws, upturned noses, a hairline that practically fled from their thick eyebrows. The dog didn't look healthy either. I walked towards it, listening for anything that could mean another haunting. Nothing. I nearly made it to a shrine when my radio crackled. I took my eyes off the portrait for a second, and then when I looked back, the whole party was looking at me. Their eyes bloodshot and furious, just angry as hell at me, stared right into me. Their neutral expressions were now frowns. I was a trespasser. I was evil. They were allowed to do as they wished to this house. The souls, the people around them, I couldn't let them. Their pupils were dilated, their irises blue but deep as an ocean abyss. Their hands cracked and gripped canes or swords and sheaths. Their nostrils flared in disgust. The dog snarled. Eyes completely red, no black, wet and tearing. I saw the shrine. It was a broken stone and... Metal cross, a proper crucifix. Jesus Christ on the cross. How was it broken, I couldn't say, or I could guess, but it was stone, easily half a foot thick. Draped across it were melted chains of a series of crucifixes laying on top of each other. It was like that painting of the melting clocks. Didn't matter how far gone they were. I could tell they were all proper icons once. I looked for a spot 
heard a dog howl in the distance. No, close. In the house. I shouldn't have looked up. The family, eyes and fury so hot I could feel it, were bending down, not two feet from my face. They were no longer human, but caricatures of them. Their features elongated, widened, showing off too many teeth, hands reaching down at me like talons of eagles. Their nails were black as the night sky and the painted canvas bent at the tips. I thrust the cross chain over the stone crucifix, but it caught. I bent down to fix it. As I looked away, something tore at the painting, but the chain reached all the way to the bottom. The cross hit the base, and the ripping stopped. It took more than a few seconds to stand up. The sight above me was one of relative normalcy, just a family portrait. Everyone grim but not evil, a family that tolerated each other as well as could be imagined, the distances returned to something like normal, too. There weren't too many doors anymore, something I hadn't noticed before. The ceiling wasn't too high, the lights weren't so exaggerated. The chandelier just reflected red and blue, sometimes purple. The door creaked as it opened, and shut normally when I closed it. Hutchins was waiting for me. No energy drinks or cigarettes in sight, and cool as a cucumber. How was it? Piece of cake, my voice cracked. She smiled. A sort of grimace. She opened the door for me, then swung around, texting the captain while she did so. He says, good job, sport. Sport? After all that? Hey, you said it was a piece of cake. We had to laugh. But my heart wasn't in it. The ghost, the noose couple, the man with an axe, that portrait, it weighed on me. I asked if we could get off the beat and do some paperwork. Captain sent me home early. He covered for my... Spent bullets, too. Internal affairs looked at me funny for a bit, but after no one turned up dead, it was forgotten. Is there anything else? No. The captain's been looking at me with a favorable eye, so it's all good, but I, I got a weird feeling. Oh? I, I might be the go-to guy for this more often. Hutchins isn't a spring chicken. We might meet each other again. I'll look forward to it. Pinkerton's Ghosts is a podcast distributed by Superversive Radio and licensed under an attribution non-commercial share-alike international license. This episode was written by Ben Wheeler. This episode was performed by Jason Ha. Ben Wheeler edits, produces, directs, and herds cats. Ken Dickinson performs our audio editing. Visit us on Facebook, read articles on SuperversiveSF.com, and wherever podcasts are distributed, you'll find us. Watch us on Unauthorized. Contact us through Twitter at Pinkerton's Ghosts. Send noble messenger possums with letters on their backs, or email us at PinkertonsGhosts at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>